Are you there? There you are. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It completely went away. I, I think it was actually on my end. I went yeah. camera off, mic off. Yeah, you were black. <laughs> I, well, welcome back. And I can see your the show. Like, oh no, now what do I do? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm on a different camera. Cause you oh, see wow. this board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My oh. other sham. My oh well. Can you all hear me? Okay, still. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're good. So we'll restart that. So this is Maria Daniels live behind the scenes. And I guess I need to scoot over because now I'm on this camera, apparently. So you know what? Whenever technical issues happen, you just go with the flow. But I have guest E.B. Sanders here with me today. And um, after that little um, weird introduction, I am going to let her come in and <laughs> give her introduction. I'm going to click on a few buttons just to make sure this doesn't happen again. <laughs> All right. So if you want to tell everybody just a little bit about, you know, who you are and what you do, uh, that way they can kind of get a feel for, you know, who's EB? Great. Hi, I'm EB Sanders. I'm a career coach for creative types, not necessarily creatives, but people who sort of don't think in black and white and are up for exploration. Um, and my wheelhouse is really helping them sort of define their careers and success for themselves, um, helping them be the best leaders of their own sort of career journey that they see fit, kind of divorced from expectations that have been put on us by all the things around us. So it's uh, it's been a fun and interesting ride um, on my own, but it's it's been great. All right. So, yeah. And and as far as I could hear you the whole time, but as far as okay. your coaching goes, mm -hmm. Who needs a career coach? So if somebody's out there right now going, oh, career coach, you know, yeah. is that for me? Who is that person? I think there is still, for some reason, this idea that career coaches and executive coaches are exactly that, just for executives in the titled leadership positions. I genuinely believe that everyone needs coaching and needs a career coach. I mean, I'm probably a little bit biased, but I think genuinely having an outsider view your patterns and how you operate and help you see where you're blocking yourself is so invaluable to very literally anyone from interns all the way up. Yes. To the C-suite. So I think everyone. Okay. So, and as far as career coaching, when I think of, you know, career at first, I'm thinking working for someone else, but I would say that you also could use a career coach, even if you are the business owner. Am I correct Absolutely. on saying that? Absolutely. And my clients are split sort of in three different buckets. I definitely have the career is the, defined by corporate nine to fivers. I've got those. My second bucket is people who are saying, you know, what? I don't I, I'm in that now, but I know that there's something else, but I don't know how else one would define career. And they're really exploring other ways to just do career. Right. And yeah. then I've got a bucket of people who you know, like you and I have sort of opted out of the traditional path altogether. And I said, I want to do my own thing, be my own person, start my own adventure, whatever it may be, but I have no idea what that may be yet. But all of them, even the ones who are happily working the nine to five, they're looking for a different way to do it. So I always start with all of my clients, no matter where they are, is having them define what they mean by career and what they mean by success. Because we, those have sort of been kind of defined for us for so long, but we yeah. know that they don't always work for all people. So it starts with really figuring out for yourself how you want to define those two very basic terms. 
Well, and I think defining the why behind anything is so important to figure out what your definition of anything is. And I know that's one of the things that we talk about even on the show all the time is, you know, success is one of those words. Like, what, well, what does success actually mean? I mean, you know, because everybody's mm-hmm. going to define that differently. And as we, you know, grow, change, you know, as we go through life's journey, you know, I know I've changed my definition on that. And that's, and I think that kind of ties right back into, you know, your aspect of, of career coaching because mm-hmm. you know my career whatever has definitely changed over the years and yeah. you know I think the idea of having someone in that place to help guide you through and transition you through those those steps of that journey is so important on so many levels so can you explain to everybody how did you get into this uh, for me, it was a long winding path of me trying to define what career was for me and not having <laughs> the help and kind of yeah. going by all the expectations put out there. Uh, I actually started out as a college professor, which is something that I genuinely loved. I thought it was, you know, the big capital D, capital D, J, dream job. Uh, and I absolutely adored it. I worked very hard to get into that position and I loved it. But I don't think it's a shock to anyone that academia is not a cash cow. And I live in one of the most expensive cities in the country. And I, my fa- family is here and has been here for a long time. So it wasn't just a choice I made. Um, and it became the point one day where I had to make a choice of, do I you know, feed myself, pay the electricity or what? And th- for me, that was a moment where I realized I, my career had to look different or I had to completely change my surroundings and my life in every other facet. So I decided I didn't want to uproot myself and leave my family and friends and my support system. So I had to go find another career, but it was very much this resistant. It, I didn't feel it was a choice that I was making. I was very much feeling like it was all out of control and out of my hands. And so I went into recruiting and staffing and staffing development for advertising agencies, which I genuinely enjoyed. I really, really liked it. it it's just was all of the things I loved about teaching was, you know, fostering people's creativity and helping them figure out who they wanted to be and how they wanted to do it. But after a while, I was sort of feeling resistance again, because I had to follow the company line. Like, even if the best thing for someone would be to tell them, hey, you need to leave this agency and go work somewhere else. I couldn't tell them that because, you know, someone else was signing my paycheck. So after lots of deliberation, I realized the parts I loved most about my job were the people where people were, was the times when people were crying in my office, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to do what they wanted to do. Um, so I realized I could just sort of go out on my own and be the person that people came and cried to, <laughs> literally and figuratively sometimes. Yeah. But, <laughs> so I, I really struck out on my own so that I wouldn't be tied to um, expectations that were tied to someone else's money. So it, it, it was a bit of a winding road. There's a huge messy middle in there that I'm leaving out. But through all that messy middle and all of that trial and error, I really came up with how to figure out what you want to do and how to find the things that make you happy and fulfilled. Um, I don't use the term dream job because I don't think that that's healthy. Um, but it's through all of that work and doing all of that sort of being the shoulder to cry on, I really figured out what works and how you know how to help people find their thing. So it, it sort of was organic in becoming a coach on my own. In a lot of ways, it was just sort of obvious and organic, but it took obviously a lot of work because being an entrepreneur, as you know, is a whole other 
kettle of weirdness. Um, so it's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so my career is very interesting because while I had thought, oh, I will just be helping people, and if this makes sense, because I'm helping people in the same way I did when I was teaching, I'm helping them learn and grow. No, no, no. It's you know. Then I had to learn how to be an entrepreneur, and truly, my career now is being an entrepreneur. And I happen to be able to help people figure out what they want their career to be. But yeah, it's it's been an interesting road and ride. And it, it was a bit of a revelation for me. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs go into it a little bit blindly of, oh, I'll just do the thing I want to do. Yeah. Without remembering or understanding or knowing that, no, no, no. That's <laughs> going to be like the tiniest amount. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, small business uh, you know, owners out there, or even, you know, I heard the term wannabe newers. I don't even know if it's a real term, but I was like, oh, okay, where they want to be an entrepreneur. You know, all, yeah. you know, all of those people right now, they may be, you know, depending on where their journey is, some of them may be not going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But the ones that haven't quite got there yet, they may be kind of in this this idea that, oh, I'll be able to do what I want to do, like you mentioned all the time, because it is, it's, I always say that you start a business because of the one or two things that you do amazingly, and it definitely does not mean you do all the things amazingly, and you can figure out pretty quickly the things that you actually don't even need to touch, like ever, yeah. you know, and I, I mean, I felt, I, I found that the hard way, and it's funny how so many entrepreneurs go into this, you know, we're cash poor, because we're literally paying to work at the very beginning, and, yeah. you know, that's, that's another revelation, because, you know, you go to business, you're like, oh, I'm going to work for my myself I'm gonna make so much money and I'm gonna be you know I'm gonna be in charge of myself and all this freedom and you find out really quick that you know mm -hmm. at the very beginning you're writing checks to yourself to cover business expenses you know and mm -hmm. you know you are working you know more hours than you've ever worked before and you're more poor than you've ever been before at the very beginning <laughs> you know and at first you're like what did I do you know I walked away from a guaranteed salary mm -hmm. to literally hustle every second of my life for mm -hmm. pennies you know mm -hmm. but I think that's why it's so important to know what your passion is and know what yeah. your purpose is and know what your why is. And I think that's why, you know, having a coach for different aspects, and I'm a big believer in coaching. Mm -hmm. I am the, the moment that I started pulling in coaches and consultants into my own business mm -hmm. was the moment that even though it was painful at first, I was, I was like, <laughs> do I want to spend this money? Because yeah. Yeah. I have it sitting here right now, but you know, as well as I do, that's mm -hmm. terrifying when you have the money, but you're like, but what's going to happen <laughs> next month? You know what I mean? But that was the best decision that I ever made to go. I just like, I remember the first time I ever did hire a coach and I was like, here, it was just like yeah. ripping off a bandage. Just take it. <laughs> just take it. Like having like an anxiety attack. I couldn't even sleep. This is how bad it was. Yeah. I'm like, well, should I have done that? Should I have done that? What if I can't, you know, it's just like all the yeah. things go through your head. But that was the defining moment to where, yeah. you know, I had to have those hard conversations with my coach where she's like, why are you doing this? You don't need to touch yeah. this. And I was like, yeah. I can't afford to. She's, you can't afford not to. You, you can't, can't afford, afford not, not to. to. You know, and I think it goes back yeah. to that. You can't afford not to bring in these experts in these certain areas to do these things. And it doesn't make sense to do them all at once. You know, we all have a budget. Mm -hmm. I get that. But, you know, if the first aspect is, do I even like my job? Do I even like my career? Is this business, you know, adventure that I'm thinking about going into? Is this mm -hmm. what I really want? Or am I doing it just yeah. because, you know, yeah. that's the first step. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have a lot of clients that are in the nine to five and they're looking to do something else, but they don't know what it is or how that would manifest or what that would look like. And they always choose some sort of creative project that they're super passionate about. And then they get stuck in this. Okay, well, uh, let's say I'm gonna start a podcast. Okay, well, then I need to learn to do the editing and I need to do the graphics and I need to learn how to, how GarageBand works. Like they do all of these things. I was like, do you want to be a, a podcast editor? 
and they'll say, no, 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 I want to be the person I'm talking. Oh, okay, but you just for 20 minutes planned out how you were going to be a podcast editor, not a creator. Those are two very different roles you've just created for yourself. And it's so common. And because it's you get so excited and you want to just move forward and you don't know where to spend the money and time and where not to spend the money and time. And since you are creating your own career, like you said, you, you know, you, oh, I've left this nine to five, this, you know, salary. It's not just the salary. There's also that container, right? Of here's what you need to do, how you need to do it and who you need to give it to when you're done doing it. And that is gone when you, when you create your own career from, from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that's a painful journey. That's an expensive journey. <laughs> it is. It's so much cheaper to bring somebody in. I floundered around so bad at the very beginning. And I made the mistakes that I see people making now that I didn't see at the time. But mm -hmm. it was like, oh well, I, I you know, there's there's a cash flow issue. I just need to add something else to bring in more cash. You know, yeah. Oh, I need to add something else over here to bring in more cash. But the problem wasn't that there was a lack of you know, cash availability out there. The problem was with me that I was trying to wear all these hats that I had no business wearing, like zero. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. you even mentioned with the podcast, I, I, I call myself an accidental podcaster because I had no freaking clue how to podcast. I was, I was a speaker. <laughs> I spoke so I could talk all day long. You add in the cords and the wires, I'm out. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm afraid to touch anything. That's why I have a backup camera that when it went out, it went on because great. If, if there had been a, like that had went out, I would have had no idea how to even try to go about fixing it. So I just like, there's certain things I just don't touch when there's a problem. Yeah. Like I'll have to call somebody and be like, Hey, come and fix this because I don't know. And I don't even want to try to know. I was that person that used to sit and watch hours and hours and hours of something thinking that somehow something would click in my brain that, will never click because it just like falls out the other side of my ear, you know, it's like a one in one side, just falling out the other. You know, I'm a big believer that you can pick up new skills. I'm not saying that, but there has to be the initial passion for it, for mm -hmm. your brain to even care to absorb that information. And I have no mm -hmm. care about any of that kind of stuff, you know, and yeah. I, I think that was the first realization for me. So, you know, that leads me to a question. Do you find it difficult working with, entrepreneurs or the nine to fivers or whoever your, your clients, potential clients on getting them to realize just what we were talking about, just the aspect of there's certain things that they do not need to do and how to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a common thread. Like you said, no matter what their, their jam is, whether they are trying to be a better manager or leader in their corporate nine to five, or they are trying to figure out what they want to do and how they want to do it. Um, but you're so in it. You're so in the weeds. You can't see this stuff for yourself. You don't know what you're looking for. And this is why a coach can be so helpful is coming in and seeing like these patterns that you just keep repeating that you're not aware of. And so how I have them do this, I have, depending on who they are, and what their thing is, I have them track certain things. I have them pay attention to what they're paying attention to. And I have them sort of keep a, keep a log that, if you know if they're being super drawn to all of these creative things but they they're you know mired in the minutia of an excel spreadsheet something's off yep and then that means that you know they're not doing the creative things that they should be doing they're wasting time creative energy no matter how excited you are about something you only have so much mental and physical energy to deal with it right, right? especially if you've got kids or you're starting your own thing or you're helping a sick parent whatever it may be and so basically we do an audit of what you're paying attention to versus where your energy is versus how you're actually behaving 
because we all we all have a list of things we think we do all day oh, yeah. <laughs> versus the shit we actually get involved in and you know mired in so you know i have a client where she she is in the creative writing world has to spend a lot of time sort of researching doing things spending time on the internet but she, she's one of those people who will be like oh it's research then two hours later in a twitter k-hole she's like oh I maybe yeah. should have been writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she's been able to convince herself that it's you know it's research for her work, and so therefore it's valid when she knows damn well. <laughs> so it's very much it's about just paying attention yeah to what you're paying attention to and auditing what you think you're doing versus what you want to be doing, and not and not worrying about shoulds. Shoulds really have no place in it because if you're creating your own thing, if you're defining your own version of success, your own career, if you are, especially if you're becoming an entrepreneur, all of the what you sh quote unquote should be doing needs to go out the window. You need to figure out what you genuinely enjoy focusing on, what you get more energy from by putting energy into than it drains you. And you, you have to just at one point sit down and write it down. So an, a, a big attention span audit and inspiration audit is what I have everyone do, no matter what. And that can be painful. <laughs> My coach let me do that too. <laughs> I had to track all kinds of stuff. And when I turned it in, I was like, because yeah. I'd already looked at it. And I was just like, oh, you know, because you don't realize. And a lot of the stuff, like you mentioned, like I, I would burn myself out on stuff that I shouldn't be doing. Well, then I would be mm -hmm. so brain numb that I would convince myself I needed a break you know, just yep. before I could do something else that I should be doing, you know, yeah. but then I would just be like lost. You, you mentioned Twitter. I wouldn't be on Twitter, but sometimes I'd be on Facebook reading the comments yep. and, you know, yeah. just wasting time, you know? Yeah. And it's, and especially in the entrepreneur space, we are given like, like the noise of what you quote unquote should be doing and how to be successful and what's going to make you a million dollars. It's so loud and so overwhelming and so constant. And it's generally coming from these sort of, removed white dudes <laughs> whose lives are very different yeah. than you know a lot of people who are trying to do this on their own and so i always coach people to you know try and remove societal expectations familial expectations all of these things that you're being sold right because that's their end goal is to make money right so why are they telling you this and to truly just look inward because there's all this advice of like, oh, you know, to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to you know, do a power hour starting at four in the freaking morning. I don't know when this became a thing, but you have to get up at four in the morning and do these, you know, 10 things before anyone else wakes up to be a successful human. I'm sorry, I don't fall asleep until 2.30 a.m. I attempted yeah. to get up at four in order to follow this model that's been put out there for me as an entrepreneur who wants to be successful, I would fail horrendously because I would be face planting into my keyboard by like 6.30 a.m. That's not gonna work for me. So understanding how you work best, when you work best, what you genuinely wanna work on when you have the energy to do it, it's, it's so important. And it's something that I think most nine to fivers aren't given the luxury of figuring that out for themselves. You know, you're told you have to be in a meeting at 8 a.m. Okay, great, that's not optional, right? So if you do strike out on your own, understanding when and how and what you work best on physically as well as mentally is really important. Absolutely, and, and you know, you mentioned a, a very good point about these you know, preset rules on when you should be doing what, and I fell into that. Now, I, I am a morning person, mm -hmm. um, 
I am. And I know everybody has their different rhythms. Yeah. I am not a night person. And, and there was some of them that was reading um, from, from different experts early on in my entrepreneurship that, you know, after the kids go to bed, cause I have a thousand kids after the kids go to bed, you stay up and you, you know, do all the things. Well, here's the problem. Even whenever I was sitting there like this, cause I am not a night mm-hmm. person. I, it was like brain fog land. It was like, mm-hmm. I would work on something for like five hours and really it was like 30 minutes worth of work. So yeah. finally I was like, this is stupid. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, and for me, I had to figure out what worked best in mm-hmm. my schedule. Getting up earlier also wasn't an option. My kids are early risers. They wake up before the sun. So getting up, <laughs> even though I'm a morning person, I'm not a, you know, 3 a.m. person. You know, mm-hmm. I would have to get up at like 3 a.m. if I was mm-hmm. going to get up before my children. Yeah. Not an option. So you have to, like you mentioned, do an audit of what does your life look like right now? Not like what it's going to look like later, what you want it to look like, whatever. That's good and mm-hmm. fine and dandy in its own timeline. But what does it look like right, right now? now? Because, you know, if you're making this list of what you should do and it doesn't match up with your life, you are always going to, you know, feel bummed out. I, you know, another mistake that mm-hmm. I made, and this may be something that you see a lot of, I assume you would, is that when I made my to-do list for the day, it was something that somebody couldn't get done in an entire freaking week. But yeah, yeah I was writing for myself yeah. in a day. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think that's common no matter what your work situation looks like, right? Corporate land, because then other people are adding things on to yeah. your to-do list when you work in corporate. You're like, oh, okay, I had this down, great, thanks, Bob. But yeah. this idea of we are we have limited capacity, and as much as we may want to do all the things, we can't. And I think this is one of the good things that's going to come out of the last, you know, year and a half of everyone, their lives and their work being melded and, you know, family being on top of you while you're trying to attempt to be productive is people who did not understand before what it's like to attempt to have to divide your attention, to have to work in the cracks, to have to be focused when you didn't get sleep because, you know, Johnny had colic at three in the morning. There is a better understanding there. And so many more corporate nine to fivers have had to sort of act a little entrepreneurial and figure out when to work in those spaces. So I I have a client, this was her big problem. She's very high up in her organization and she all of a sudden for the first time was not performing well. I mean, who's not shocking in this last year, right? But she, her expectations were still very high, very much like you, you know, she had to work around the children. She actually found a time where they kind of made a deal as a family. The kids could be in their room. They could do whatever they wanted to do for these two hours during the day. They just had to start to do it quietly. They got to you know, have devices if they wanted to, which was a big treat. They just had to be in their room and a little bit, and she just needed the two hours. Where before that time would have been spread out through the whole day and it was basically all of her eight hour day work, which we all know, no one gets eight hours of work done during an eight hour work day. You really only need about two and a half hours for what you would do. The rest is taken up with meetings, procrastination, futzing around she now gets all of her work done in this two and a half ish hour block. And she's so much more because now she actually has quality time with her children instead of being stressed out that they're running around behind her. She's actually performing better because she's more so much more focused. So it's, I think it's much more common that people are understanding that this is a need. I think it'll take a while that this, or we'll be lucky if it sort of gets codified into the corporate world, but I think for right now, it is one of the good things that's, that has come out of what we've all just been dealing with. No, I agree 100%. And, you know, I I was already kind of, my, my schedule didn't really change a whole lot other than I didn't have to go to all these pointless meetings, even client meetings. Yeah. I was going to all these driving forever to go sit in a meeting like this could have been like 
a quick yeah. five minute phone call, but I just drove an hour and a half to get here. You know, <laughs> it, so that stopped. So really I'm just a place that I'm like, let's not go back to any of that. Let's not go back to any of it because that's the nice part. Um, I have a babysitter. So, you know, mm-hmm. I have a little bit more flexibility. I do better if my kids are not here, yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I pay a babysitter. I am willing to give my babysitter mm-hmm. the money as you may be watching. And I love her with all my heart, yeah. but that allows me to have that time. Cause like you mentioned, it's that being stretched so thin because, you know, we talk about this work-life balance, work-life balance, work-life balance. And, you know, for a lot of people, they think it's like this, this, this moment that's going to happen magically. <laughs> Everything's going to be like, oh, it's, balance. it's a miracle, you know, but in reality, mm-hmm. the balance is that you're always balancing, you know, you're oh, always balancing. And, you know, once you figure that out, you know, that it's always going to be like, sometimes you mentioned little Johnny has colic, you know, at that moment, obviously that takes precedence, you know, everything yeah. else has to go to the back burner. And then there's sometimes where our client has an emergency. Well, everything else has to go to the back burner over here. And, and that is really that balancing act. And I think one of the pivotal moments for me in my journey has been realizing that. And, you know, it was my coach that helped kind of walk me through that. And I, you know, it came out of my head, but her bring me to that point where I was just like, boom, where I was like, it's not going to be balanced. I'm never going to be balanced because I would run so fast. It's almost like you see those, those horror movies where everybody's running towards the door and you're just running as fast as you can. It just keeps getting farther and farther away. I felt like that was me. Mm-hmm. And I'd get so close. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm almost there. And I just get farther away. And yeah. I literally thought it was me. I thought it was me. And I almost quit about a thousand times. But, but it wasn't. It's just that's mm-hmm. my life. And that's the way that it is. And that's a lot of people's mm-hmm. lives. And, I think being able to have that person to go to and say, is this something that I should be running after? Is this worth my run to the door? You know, Mm -hmm. or is it something I need to be focused on over here? And I think that is so important to do just for your insanity, first of all, because, you know, you mentioned being lost in the weeds. I was lost in all the weeds. I still get lost in the weeds sometimes (laughs) because we have all the ideas, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. and then you question yourself, should I be doing that? Should I not be doing that? Should I quit? (laughs) You need somebody Mm -hmm. to just kind of smack you a little bit and say, listen. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it coaches, can sometimes also just show you what you don't want, which can be just as important as being like, oh, it's, you know, oh, stars part, you know, and it's all perfect and great. We can also really help you just clarify, you know, like, no, I don't want that. Because so many of us, if you said you've been running towards this door that just keeps moving, like, I feel like we're all sort of given these goal markers that just keep moving. And we, as soon as we get close to something, something else has popped in there that we're supposed to have achieved by a certain point. And it's like, if we can't be happy when we finally get somewhere and we're unhappy before we get to, like, when do we get to be happy? When do we get to feel fulfilled? And I think this, it, this pressure that's put on us to constantly be getting to a particular point, you are dead on the money when you say it's, it's never this magical moment. It never actually exists. You have to create it at moment by moment as you go along and be intentional and mindful about it. And that's really hard right now for anybody. Right. And so it's this idea that there's all of this pressure, there's all of this focus on being the perfect worker, being the perfect employee, being the perfect parent, being the perfect community member, and doing well at your job, all while finding the balance to meditate for an hour in the morning and go for a job. Like, it's so much pressure that we then put on ourselves. And like, I had a client yesterday who's working, she's an incredibly high achiever at her job, but it's a toxic work environment. She's taking care of a sick family member, has had to move a part of the country due to the COVID. And 
she was having trouble focusing because she's so diffracted and she genuinely believes and said out loud, she's, oh, well, I'm broken right now. My brain is broken. And it was so hard to hear. And it like, I just had to, as a coach, tell her, There's, she's absolutely not broken. None of us are broken. We're dealing with extraneous circumstances that are bizarre. And we're trying to do the best we can. And even in the best of times, you've got this door that's constantly moving away from you and you have to just do your best. And there's so much pressure for it to all be perfect and it for all to be magical and it to all click and make sense. And that as soon as you accept that that doesn't actually exist, you can breathe. Yeah. And it's, it's so important for just someone on the outside who isn't a family member, who isn't a coworker even, to come in and look at what you're dealing with and say, no, 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 you're doing, you're doing a good job here, pal. <laughs> Just yeah. keep doing what you're doing. But why don't we look at how, what you actually want to be doing and how to make it easier for you, how to make it a, a path you want to work towards, you know, and it's having someone on the outside who is genuinely objective, but also is your best interests at heart is invaluable. Absolutely. And I think there's even sometimes, and this is me talking from my own experience too a little bit, but some of the things we know, it's almost like we need that other per person to almost give us permission that that feeling's okay, that that, you know, idea is okay. And, you know, that that's kind of a, I guess a hard, a hard thing to kind of, to give over to somebody at first, but it, it gives you that freedom to know that the decision you're making is the one that you really want to make because you know i think sometimes we get lost in our own head we get lost in you know our own ability to be able to make these decisions and feel like they're okay and especially as, as women and i don't know I, and this has been a question i come up a couple of times pop right on my head do you find yourself working more with women than men or does it is it kind of equal um it goes in phases i it's i do definitely have a, a large cadre of male clients um but the bulk is women and i think I think women who aren't in executive level positions are more willing to seek out a career coach where men have it in this idea and they've been told maybe that they have to do it on their own and that they can yeah. get an executive a coach as a luxury item when they reach the C-suite. Yeah. So I do have very creative men who come to me looking for help, but they tend to be, this is going to sound strange. They're not the traditional sort of straight white corporate male. They tend to be like, in creative fields, they tend to be feminine at all. Actually, <laughs> they that sounds right on the money to me. <laughs> yeah, they tend to be feminine men. They tend to be yeah. men whose um, the women in their lives have given them my website and been like, <laughs> "Yeah." So, I do work with all genders, but yeah, I think more heavily on women who are not in the C levels because they're more willing to reach out to another female and say, I need some assistance. Yeah. Can you help me figure out how to do what I want to do? Um, at which unfortunately for males, they're not told that, that that's okay. Which is but they are in a weird way because they also have these networks of like, Hey dude, I need a hand up, you know, Bob called yeah. Jake so I can get that job over there. They have their support system in a different way. Yeah. Um, so it, it is interesting to be in the middle of that. I was I was just curious about that from your standpoint, because even on my side, I do end up working probably more with people that identify you know, female than I do male. 
I do have a few clients that are not, but I, I know the conversations that we end up getting into, because, you know, you always end up in just conversations that have nothing to do with what, you know, you're there to talk about <laughs> first. You know, it ends up being a lot of these same conversations, more from women. And it may just be because I'm also a woman, so they feel that they can say mm -hmm. that stuff to me. But I just, it's like, these are thought processes that go through my mind all the time. It seems to me from my experience that women tend to um, juggle with these questions so much more, at least outwardly, or at least to me, you know, mm -hmm. um, about is this the right decision? Should I be doing this? Because, you know, they're not always, but they a lot of times are the primary caregiver at home, too, if there's, you know, a family mm -hmm. involved. And I know that was my, you know, experience in the past as well, because I, I would always question myself, because you always feel like you're not doing the right thing. It doesn't always. matter what the decision is. You know, I was working for someone else. I wasn't doing the right thing. I, you know, left and I was staying at home. I'm not doing the right thing. I, you know, mm -hmm. I started my own business. I'm not doing the right thing. So it's, it's like you always have this idea that whatever decision you're making is not the right thing for yourself and your family because society has tended to put all of the family burdens on, you know, you know, stereotypically the women's shoulders. I know not in every household, but mm -hmm. all the households I know at least, mm -hmm. I mean, that's been the case. So I think that's why a lot of women end up feeling this pressure on they don't know what decision to make because they feel like they can't make their own decisions. And that's the reason I was asking yeah. your, you know, your yeah. opinion from your experience, what you've seen. Oh, absolutely. And when I have talked to potential clients and they haven't hired me, I always say, you know, like, you know, what, what was the reasoning there? Just, you know, for my own information. And a lot of times I hear, well, after I talked with you, I realized it was selfish for me to want to spend the money and time figuring out just, you know, doing what I want to do. They've genuinely been conditioned to believe that that is selfish because like you said, they're supposed to be having all of this burden of the family. They're supposed to be taking care of people and just going to their job and doing it well and then coming home and supporting other people. And so the idea that they would take some, a step back and say, oh, is this what I actually want? Is this the way I want to do it is viewed as selfish where I am of the belief that it is the absolute least selfish thing you can do. Because if you're actually doing work that you find fulfilling and energizes you, you're gonna be a better spouse. You're gonna be a better parent. You're gonna be a better community member. You're going to be a better version of you, which you know ripples out that you know, you're know you way less crabby to your kids yeah, who are then exactly. throwing less temper tantrums in front of your spouse who are then you know better at school. Like it's a ripple effect of goodness, not the opposite. But we're conditioned as females to just sort of put our heads down, do the consistent thing that will bring the results that we just basically need and to not really stretch ourselves. And even if it's not a stretch, it's viewed as such to say, hey, but I don't know that I'm happy. How can I make that work? We're, we've just been conditioned to not worry about being happy. That's not our job. <laughs> yeah. No, so, yeah. I and I think that is a problem, not to cut you off, I'm sorry about that. I think yes. that is a, is a problem even still. You know, there, there is being a, a lot more light shown on the subject that, you know, we can have, we can literally have it all. You know, we as women, you know, can mm -hmm. literally have it all. We can have a career and still be a good mom and a good spouse mm -hmm. and a good whatever we decide we want to be. But I do think there's that latent, I guess, guilt that lays in there. That even mm -hmm. if we know that and we, you know, we're going towards that, there's still that little voice inside of us that says, but is, is it the right thing to do? And is this, does this make me, you know, a bad mom? Does this make me not as present? Does it make, you know, all these questions in our mind? And mm -hmm. I think 
that literally goes back to what we were talking about early on is being able to reach out to someone else, <laughs> you know, to a career coach, to be able to say, okay, well, here's what I want to do with my job. And here's my reasons why here's what I think it's going to do in my life and my family. And then have somebody from the outside validate our feelings, I think is very empowering. I know what it was for me. Yeah. And it's so interesting. It's, when I first came to really understand what coaching was about and you know how it worked, I was working in one of the many ad agencies I was working in, and one they they hired a coach for all of the executives, of which you know there were many of both, you know, male and female at the time, and it was interesting because I was let in on all of the conversations. The way the males handled the coaching was very different. It was very much like, yeah, I did a good job, great, validate me, whereas the women would be crying to their coach on the phone in the stairwell about all of the boundaries that they were facing, about how they weren't being respected, about no matter how high achieving they were, that they, they didn't feel as if they were doing enough. The, and they, these were people at the same level in the same organization. And hearing both sides of these conversations was so fascinating because they were working with the same coaches. So, and I, I you know, I know that the, the coach was, handling them both in the same manner and to just see the differences in how we were you know it was being approached by people of different genders in the same position it was it was so fascinating to me and that's when i really got interested in this idea of what coaching could do because the the coach was able to validate these crying women in the stairwell that you know they were working in a toxic environment and what they wanted was not unreasonable and for the men, you know, it's not too hard to be like, yeah, Bob did a great job. But, you know, you know a, a lot of my friends who are executive coaches are like, yeah, I'm just sort of a glorified babysitter for a lot of really high up wealthy dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's the same role. It's the same input, but how it's received and why it's needed, it's fascinating when it comes to gender differences. It is, and, and, and I think that that's probably something that could be studied for a lifetime, <laughs> honestly, on so many reasons yep. why. But I do yep. think, you know, it's important to 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 note that there there is differences. I know it's okay that there's differences, but, mm -hmm. you know, the reasons why you're wanting to do your career should have nothing to do with your gender. <laughs> it should have, mm -hmm. have nothing to do with it. It should have to do with your purpose, your why. And, mm -hmm. you know, the first step to figuring out your purpose and your why is to mm -hmm. reach out to that that third party to, you know, really be able to get somebody to say, okay, well, let me ask you the hard question. Is this really what you want? Because I know for so many people that I've talked to and myself included, I, I was running toward that door. And I figured out that wasn't the door that I wanted. It was a door that I was told that I wanted, but yeah. I didn't want that door. I didn't, I didn't even know why I wanted that door. I just, I did because I thought I was supposed to. And, yeah. you know, and I think that so many people, they run into that same problem that they're, they're just chasing this idea of success that is somebody else's idea of success. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have or how many, you know, certificates, mm -hmm. or it doesn't even matter how high in the ladder you climb. If you're mm -hmm. miserable at the end of the day, it is completely pointless and worthless. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, I've got clients, one of my favorite clients right now is that we were going through this exact exercise of, you know, she'd been funneled through this, like you go to school and then you go to graduate school and then you get your doctorate and then you get a very good job and you make a lot of money and you raise your family so that then you can retire and you can play some golf. And when I asked her, I was like, how you're clearly not enjoying this. <laughs> what is it you want to do? What is your idea of like the job you want to have? She's like, the job I want to have is to be retired. <laughs> and she's a very young woman. I mean, she's only in like maybe her early thirties. And I was just like, if that's your definition of success is being able to like mow the lawn in the morning and then go fishing in the afternoon, like you don't need to bust your hump to make the millions of dollars, right? Exactly. Because then you're gonna be wasting your life to gather all of this financial wealth so that then, then when you're old, you can do the thing you've been wanting to do for 30 years. Yeah. And very literally no one had ever told her it was an option to look at it differently that she could you know not she could live in her little tiny midwestern hometown and be perfectly content and happy and that being her definition of success be fulfilled in that and it just it was so great to a hear a young woman in a professional capacity say that that's genuinely what they wanted from life and that yeah. they would be happy it's like I, we're not told that that's okay and it's, I think everyone, if they just stood back for a hot minute and thought about what they actually wanted in life, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I just want to be retired. Well, I would say that too. I, it doesn't sound horrible to me. I mean, my wife is one of those people, if she's not working, she's unhappy. She ha yeah. she genuinely gets energized from it. She enjoys it. It's solving problems makes her so excited and so happy. For her, the idea of retirement, I think is her worst nightmare. Yeah. But you need to ask yourself that what do you genuinely want and again you divorcing yourself from all of these expectations and these you know definitions of success it's difficult because they're so ingrained i mean i'm born and raised in san francisco the definition of success is now it's you know you sell a you start a company you sell it you get 90 million dollars and you've got two teslas in the driveway of your single family <laughs> home that you bought in the middle of the city you know it's it's kind of absurd because A, not everyone wants that, but we're told that that is just the general baseline level of success. Yep. So you got you have to define it for yourself. And having someone, like you said, validate your feelings and let you know that, that whatever definition you come up with is totally okay. As long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else. Exactly. <laughs> you know, then once you know what that is, you can start working towards that. And that's where you're gonna find the fulfillment. That's where you're gonna find the happiness and those healthy balanced moments that you feel like, you know, the door might finally open for you and you can stop running towards it. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, niching down, we talk about niching down our business offers and niching down. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's like a word we use for everything, really niching <laughs> down your life, you know, like mm -hmm. get it to the point where you figure out, we hear all this hustle and grind and go big or go home and all that. And those are fine and for their time and place, whatever. But, like much to your point, we're not told that it's okay to think small. Mm -hmm. It's okay to think little, that it's okay to, to not want to go bigger home, go home, you know, to not, you know, you, another thing is don't quit. Well, sometimes quitting is the best thing that you can do. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think first of all, being able to hear from somebody else that all of those things are okay, that all these things that we've been spoon fed that, you know, we're supposed to feel and think even when it's not, what we feel and think 
that it's okay to not think that way. We just, we need somebody else to say that. So, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm a big believer obviously in coaching and that's the reason mm -hmm. I love talking to coaches because you know, there are a lot of coaches. I hear a lot of people say that there's so many coaches out there. And, and there are because there's also so many people out there and we mm -hmm. all vibe with somebody differently. And that's yeah. why there needs to be so many coaches because, you know, <laughs> who I'm going to vibe with is not going to be, you know, who you're going to vibe yeah. with. And, yeah. you know, and then that's okay. Um, one thing I do want to ask you is, you know, if somebody is sitting up there right now and they're like, do I need a career coach? Do, you know, mm -hmm. is it something that I need? What, mm -hmm. is there a few you know, questions they can ask themselves to define that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I kind of the biggie for me is if on, you know, Saturday you're worried about Sunday because you know, you're going to feel like shit all day Sunday because Monday is around the corner. Yeah. You need to talk to somebody. Absolutely. Or if you are sitting at your desk or standing at your desk or on the weird treadmill desk that you've got, and all you can think of is, oh, it'd be amazing if someone else got paid to do dot, 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 whatever you're filling in the blank there with, you need to talk to a coach. It's, I mean, if, or if you are actually enjoying what you do, but you feel like there's a better way to do it that you want to get you want to think a bit bigger or, and you want to think about how to do what you do just even better and be the best version of you doing it. Also talk to someone. It's, I think people also have this idea that coaching is either for those elite executives or it's for the people who are like crying in their oatmeal in the morning. But I think it's, it's for also the, all of the in-betweeners, people who don't know what they want, who know what they want, but don't know how to get it or know what they want, but want to be better at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, and I know for growth phase, like the growth mode in businesses, if, if you're in your own business, that is a pivotal moment where a coach is like priceless because we hit this moment where it's like you're, you're, you've got enough clients where you've got some money coming in, but you need to hire more people, but you're also not making enough money to hire people. Mm -hmm. so you're in this like limbo. And that is a moment where it is literally make or break <laughs> that you need to bring somebody in. You absolutely. That is for anyone thinking to start a business, I would 1000% get yourself a business coach who has done it themselves because there will be so many hundreds of questions you won't even think to ask or know to ask or things that you don't know you're supposed to know. Getting a coach will, no matter how much you spend on them, in the not even long run, in the shorter term, will save you time, will save you so much money and will make you money. I It has rarely been seen that someone who hires a coach for their business doesn't at minimum you know re recoup the cost of them Absolutely. i know writing that check sign you know sending that paypal pay is painful at that yeah. first time when you're like okay but oh, i need yeah. to hire someone to do the thing but i could do the thing but someone uh that's yeah. you're, you're correct that's exactly when you need to hire someone just suck it up and do it <laughs> and <laughs> and get what you can out of it absolutely so for people that are maybe like, you know what, I like EB's vibe. Maybe she's the person for me. Where can they you know, reach out to you? Do you do like, I don't know how do you do a consultation? Like kind of what's your method? Yeah, my method is I, so I've got my website. It's ebsanders.com. And there I lay out the ways that I work with people. And there are a lot of coaches who are like, the only way to work with me is give me $30,000 and we will work together, you know, once a month on this. I am a big believer that because like you, I think everyone needs coaching. I have a course that people can do self-guided. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching, which I love. And I do group group coaching, what I love. So there's different ways and price points to work with me. Because again, I think 
everyone should have access to this. Um, so if they go to my website and they want to, they decide they want to do one-on-one -on -one coaching or they want to join my group coaching programs, I have a consultation with everyone. We get on the video and we get face to face and we really talk about what's gotten them to the point where they are now, where they have that moment of, oh God, I need professional help. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and why they feel that they are so stuck or feel that they need, you know, a, a, a gentle push from someone else that they need an outside opinion on this. And generally I get a lot of sort of, you know, just sort of the word vomit and all of those stress and all of the pent up worries that just come flowing out of them. And they always apologize. And I always say that's exactly what we needed to hear was all of that pent up stress. So we, we chat and we have a talk and we see if we're a good fit because I am not a good fit for everybody. I'm genuinely not. I am in theory, a bad coach because in coaching, <laughs> the idea is that you ask lots of leading questions and you know, your clients just come to all of their decisions themselves, which is the bulk of what I do. But as a career coach, I'm also, yeah, but you got to have that LinkedIn and that email to Tuesday, Susie by Tuesday. Like I am technically a bad yeah. coach in that way where I will give hard actionable items to do because I think with your career, there are just some things you got to get done. So absolutely. Yeah. So we have a talk to make sure that, you know, our vibe fits that they're, they want to work with someone like me who is, I don't check my language. I don't hold back how I truly feel. If, you know, if they want to sit and cry for five minutes in silence, I'm not going to tell them, okay, let's work through this right now. I'm going to say, okay, we're going to sit here in silence and you can get this out for a minute. Like, we need and we need to make sure that we work together well. So that's always the first step is making sure that Absolutely. we like each other and that we're going to work well together because it truly is a partnership. I think people also have this idea that coaches are gurus and that you're going to pay them. They're going to come fix all your problems. Absolutely not how it works. Right? No. We help show you how to work through your individual programs and problems and wants and needs. Because if I just tell you to do sort of a checklist of things, that's not going to work for everybody. Just can't. So, you know, we have to make sure that that works. And then if they decide that we're a good match and we're gonna be a good team, <clears throat> pardon, then we, you know, we meet and we, I work with people one-on-one -on -one for three months. Um, it's, it's a time commitment because this is a huge change, right? If, especially if you're changing careers or starting a business, I think while everyone's super excited and they wanna do it by next week and they wanna, they want someone to show up with a silver platter of like, here is the exact thing you should do and how to make yeah. it work. Like it would be amazing to have that Zoltar machine that yeah, just did that. It, it doesn't exist. You need the time to actually figure out how it's going to work for you. And so, you know, we work together that way, but it's, it's an individual process for each of my clients. I have a framework that I know works because I've worked with hundreds of clients through it. And it's the same one in my course as it is with my group program, as it is with my one-on-one but it's also totally personal because it has to be right. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And I, I think those are amazing points and, you know, some people like that direct and, and they need that directive. <laughs> so, you know, if you're out there right now and you're like, I need her to tell me to do something by Tuesday, I need that person in my life. <laughs> yeah. I suggest you go to the website below and, you know, hook up with EB and figure out, you know, if you all can work together, if you're a fit, cause it is, it is a, it's a relationship. It really is a relationship. Mm -hmm. There has to be that, that likability, of course, but there has to be a lot of trust involved because mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that you're going to be working through and going through, it was so personal, so personal, you know, oh, yeah. it's stuff that a lot of times you don't even realize, like you kind of realize it, but you don't realize it because you don't want to admit it to yourself <laughs> and they pull it out. And you're like, Oh yeah, you got oh, yeah. me there, but it needs mm -hmm. to happen. 
Yeah, people tell me things that their spouses have no idea about. Like I am very much like yeah. the little vault of information that that spouses will never know. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and everybody needs that person or people really because mm-hmm. you know you have to have a team. We talk mm-hmm. about our our team, our tribe, or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know we have to have that person that's just for us. And I think that's where a coach comes into play, you know, is, and, and as a coach, I, I know you're part-time therapist because I know how my coach was. <laughs> I'd be like, sometimes you'll have zero to do, which is I'll be like, but yeah, he said that, that he did that he, because even though we say business is business and personal is personal, you know, there's a small aspect of it, but it all blends in together mm-hmm. and you're going to really mess yourself up. I'm saying this for myself because I did this for a long time by trying to keep it all in separate buckets all the time. You are going to drive yourself completely freaking insane trying to keep it all from spilling over into each other because there's no way to do it. There's just not. I tried it and I about went crazy trying to do it. So, you know, just go ahead and get that out of your mind if you're thinking that right now. I'm just going to go say that. But, you know, I, you know, I mean, obviously, I am a big, 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 big fan of coaching and I can't say enough good things about it. And my coach, I've used more than one coach for different things because again, it goes back to the personality. If you know, if you need it for, you know, a, and this person you're working with, it's amazing with a, but then you have B that comes along, you find another person for B, you know, I've worked with more than one coach for different things mm-hmm. because the personality just fit with what I knew or what I assumed I knew the problem was at the time. You, Cause the legal, most of the time we at least have an inkling of, the world that the problem's in so a lot of times you kind of pull in that coach um to be able to to do those all those things so yeah yeah, i mean do you have anything else that you want to say before we end i know we've been talking for probably could continue to talk forever but do you have anything else you want to leave anybody with no i mean absolutely if if you are wondering if coaching is for you i'm just gonna say yes it doesn't matter (laughs) i think maria will agree that coaching is for you but make sure that you are finding the right one for you. And not all coaches are going to work out be the right one right off the bat, but do the best you can to find the one that you resonate with the most. It's an important decision. So shop around, find the one, ask your, you know, your friends, your colleagues, if they have had someone that they have worked with, that they enjoyed working with, that they felt got them the results that they wanted. And don't be shy to let the coaches know that you are looking for the right one. They will respect that. I, I promise. Um, but if you've you know got some basic questions about how coaching works, especially career coaching, and you've never looked into it, definitely head over to my site. It's ebsanders.com. Um, I even have articles on there of how to choose the right coach for you, if that's something that you're interested in. Oh, and that's perfect because I mean you're you're right. I mean you're not everybody's not going to vibe together and to be able to figure out that right person, you do need to shop around. Mm-hmm. Don't feel bad about saying, well, let me you know check out this person mm-hmm. or that person because you know a great coach will want you to do that because, you know, no matter what industry you're in, I do this for myself, not every client is the right client for me for things, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that is a, that is a tough, you know, road to go down to figure that out, that not all Mm -hmm. money's good money, not all clients, good (laughs) clients, not all coaches, so I love that you've got that, that article. I'll try to find that and post that out too here in a little bit too. Mm -hmm. So people can just click in and and read it because that's Mm -hmm. perfect. So thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. It's been a wealth of information. I love your vibe and your personality and, you know, and for anybody that is interested in finding out more, go to the website that's listed in the ticker below and we will be popping into the comments as well. And again, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for having me, having me, Maria. This is great. All right. Bye. See y'all later.